Welcome to Mistresses of Murder. I am Cindy, and we are on a marathon, and with me is... Oh, I'm Cheyenne. And thanks for joining us. So, this story is The Moser Murders, and this is terrible, but Cheyenne's going to tell it, so hit me, baby. Alright, so this is Bruce and Margaret... Ann Moser. Oh, sorry. Trigger warning. <laughs> this yeah, you want to put that on there because this one's tough. Yeah. Hey, can we stop it? Just stop it. Go. All right. Bruce Wayne Moser and Margaret Adamsons were high school sweethearts. They married in 1975 and lived a quiet life in a mobile home in rural Montpelier, located in the outskirts of Blackford County, Indiana just off of Indiana Road 3 North. In 1976, they welcomed their daughter, Carrie. By all accounts, it seemed that the couple led very private lives and were well-liked by the members of their community. That's good. (laughs) Yep. Bruce was a good provider for his young family. At just 20, the Ball State University graduate was working full-time at Bob's Fine Foods in the nearby town of Huntington. Margaret, also a Ball State University graduate with a degree of social studies, was 22 years old at the time and worked full-time as a stay-at-home mom. I feel like I would do something with my graduate degree. And she may have <laughs> I mean, she may have just been hanging. She was young, though. Yes. It seemed that their life together was just beginning when the unthinkable happened. On January 4th, 1978... Bruce left work early to go pick up Margaret for a scheduled appointment. What happened when Bruce arrived home that day may never truly be known, but the aftermath left the residents of the community in a state of shock for years to come. Now, on January 6, 1978, two days after Bruce had left work early, his manager called local police and requested that they perform a wellness check on Bruce. You see, Bruce had not shown up for work in two days, and this was very unlike him. Police headed to the trailer park that Bruce and Margaret called home. The first deputies to arrive on the scene were Pat Crudson and Roger Renew. Renew. What'd you say? Renew. Renew. Okay. Of the Blackford County Police Department. At the time, Roger Renew was the deputy chief of the department. The scene that greeted them was one of a horror movie. From the moment they they foot through, they put their foot through the door, they radioed for backup. Wow. And this is just a side note, like, you're going because a guy didn't show up for work for two days, so you're probably not really expecting that, but apparently it was terrible. Like, maybe he went on a a family emergency trip or something. Right, but he always called in, so I get that. My work probably wouldn't even call the police. They'd be like, it's fine. She's moody if she's a kind of a bitch. Just let her work it out. So, please call the police if you don't see me, Cheyenne, or hear from me, because I'm stinking dead somewhere. (laughs) Go ahead. Thumbed on the floor of his living room, Bruce Bozer lay dead. His hands were bound behind his back, and it would later be found that his old bootlaces were were used to bind him. Bruce had been shot in the back of the head two to four times. It should be noted here that some sources indicate that Bruce had been found in the living room of the mobile home. Others said that he was found on the bedroom floor, beside the bed. However, one of the two deputies who first arrived on the scene is quoted as saying in the 2021 article for Indiana's 21 Alive News 
that when he first walked into the scene, Bruce was in the living room, which does carry a lot of weight. And it makes sense, because you open the door, you see that immediately. If he yeah. was in the bedroom, you would have had to stomp around a little bit, even in a trailer. Yeah, and it would make sense, because at, at, earlier it said, as soon as they opened the door, they called right. the backup. Right. In the back bedroom was Margaret, who was also dead. She was laying face up, her body tied to the bed, in the back bedroom, and she was only wearing a blouse, which... I mean, she was sexually assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> the rest... That's disgusting. Yeah. The rest of her clothes was scattered on the bedroom floor and were ripped to shreds, which obviously she didn't do herself. Like her husband, Bruce, she was shot two to four times in the head, and the gun that had been used on both victims was Bruce's own twenty-two caliber single-shot rifle. Now, that weirds me out. So somebody didn't bring a gun in. Yeah. It seems weird. Like, you came in, but you didn't bring a gun in. It's weird. Yeah. It's it's just odd. And how did you get him? Like, you would have had... She would have had to have been attacked. And then they had, had to have gotten the gun. Because you wouldn't get a grown man to give you the boot laces <laughs> on his boot to tie yeah. his hands. That's just my take on it. So yeah. I think he came into it when yeah. he went to pick her He's up. He's not just going to go, oh... I got My you. bad. Let me yeah. stay here. You tie me. <laughs> it's all fine. <laughs> right. But perhaps the most heart-wrenching part of this story was what... Sorry. <laughs> Allowed it to live in infamy in the minds of the community members was that they found the 17-month-old baby, Carrie. Now, some sources said that she was found... Where, or Yeah, she was found by on the bed next to her mother and then others said that she was found sitting on the couch in the living room but she'd probably been everywhere at 17 yeah. months she could walk yeah so she was walking around with dead people for two days <laughs> that's awful yeah so someone probably saw her in the living room someone probably saw her in the bed first so they don't know who knows yeah it appeared as though she had not been harmed by the murderer per se, but she was really dehydrated and malnourished, which would Obviously, make sense. Obviously, two days. Yeah, because she was left on her own for two days. The images of the infant sitting in the, on the bed next to her deceased mom would be haunting. Even if she was in the other room on the couch, it would still be heart heartening because her dad was in there too. Probably, and that's where... Just walking around. She had to have blood on her. It had yeah. to be awful. I mean, she's a baby. Yeah. Detectives Pat Crutzen and Roger Renau have stated to Indiana's 21 Alive News that the image is more or less seared into their minds forever, which makes sense, with Pat saying, you don't forget it. It should be noted here that source materials indicate that Carrie had a lot of surviving family at the time, and it wouldn't be unreasonable that she would be taken in by someone close to her, but nobody ever confirmed where she went. Right. Maybe they just wanted to protect her. Yeah. I mean, her mom and dad were found dead in their trailer. And before you guys get all bougie, I lived in a trailer. Trailers are a nice starter home. Yeah. Don't get all ridiculous because some hood story. Yeah. Not everybody lives in a mobile home. It's trailer trash. Yeah. And some of them actually look really nice. Oh, my sister and I, we all lived. Dad lived in one. Please. Mm. Official report documentation, however, states that Carrie was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment and released into a home where she was under police supervision for a certain period of time. I bet. Although I don't think it really matters where she was placed. Like, as long as they knew what she had just gone through and cared about her and cared for her, it shouldn't really matter. But Right, but I mean, I <laughs> bet that she was under police protection, you know. Yeah. Police quickly theorized that since Brad had come home early that day, chances are that he walked in on attack on Margaret. 
which is what I said, but it's still weird. Yeah. You know, that they used his gun. Yeah. This is due in part because Bruce was still wearing his coat and ski hat when he died. So, it was missed that the attacker may have used Margaret and Carrie's safety as a bargaining chip, forcing Bruce to submit to being incapacitated. At the time, the two main motives was sexual assault, robbery, or just both. It was confirmed that that the Moser's home had been ransacked and there were some items missing. But again, you don't rob a trailer. Yes. These are new people homes, you know, or or not poor rich people's homes. That's ridiculous. So he probably went there aside from her. Awfulness, yeah. And then was like, might want to make it look like a robbery. (laughs) around, maybe they have a hundred bucks. Yeah. It was never publicly revealed what was taken, but they could be doing that because that could be the one thing they're holding back. Right. So that the killer would know what's missing, you know. Right, yes. Early on, Indiana State Police took over the investigation. One of the strongest suspects to publicly emerge was mo- in the Moser murders was a guy named Robert Lee Leslie. Captain Kevin Smith with the Indiana State Police said at the time that Robert's name was all over the case. He had been wanting for, wanted for several felonies in nearby Allen County at the time. Which Allen Cali- County, for reference, is Fort Wayne area. Okay. So the east. Robert was a long haul steel trucker who sometimes brought his wife along with the for the drives. It turned out his route often took him through Indiana Road three north, the very same route that passed close to the Moser's home. Some of the source material states that during an interrogation he even admitted to police that he had made a stop at the Moser's trailer right before Christmas when one of his truck trucks brakes froze using the couple's phone to make an emergency phone call. That bit of information is super striking, of course, because it places him at the scene at least once before the murders were committed. So, he could have seen the wife and was like, nah, I'm coming back for that. (laughs) Terrible. Robert Leslie died by self-inflicted gunshot wound. Sound a little like guilt to me. Yeah, but... (laughs) Could not be Prove it. Yeah. At the Willard Hotel in Detroit on May 31st, 79, which is roughly five months after the Mosers were killed. Some sources said that Robert Leslie pulled the trigger on himself as police having received a tip that he was holed up there when they were closing in on him. In an interview with Kentucky's Cour- Courier Journal, Robert's own sister, Alberta, states that Robert was... <laughs> Robert Alberta was almost ready to talk to police before he ultimately decided to take his own life. He didn't know that though. Because, well, she's surmising too, but if he did it, he had a gun because he's too pussy to do the time for the crime, which makes him a dirtbag piece of shit. And I wonder what his wife knows. Just saying. Probably a lot more. Yeah, just saying. Frustratingly, she inferred that what led Robert to take his own life as opposed to confessing was that he had gotten wind that the police were looking to question him for as many as 12 other homicides spanning from Indiana to Florida. So he's a long haul truck driver. Yeah. And a lot of them, not a lot of them, I shouldn't say that, but there have been serial killers who were truck drivers. Yeah. In the same Courier Journal article, Robert's sister stated that her brother... In a sealed letter that he had given to her, confessed to murdering 16-year-old Trina Biddle, who had been found deceased and half, half, half clothed in a rural road in Fort Wayne, Indiana, in 78. He also implicated his wife, who was 22 years old at the time, in Trina's sexual assault and strangulation. 
Sounds like his wife helped. So then you snatch it up the wife. Yeah. <laughs> this information was corroborated by nearby Allen County Sheriff Charles Meeks at the time of his wife's involvement. Robert wrote, while this was still over my head, my wife again wanted another girl. I told her if we did, we would have to kill the girl, and she said, okay. So knowing this, we went out and grabbed one who was 16 on Fox Avenue. We took her to our place, kept her about two days, and then we took her out to the country, and I strangled her with my belt as my wife drove. We then threw the body out on the road. Wow. He's a peach. <laughs> and his wife's nasty. Yeah, it seems like it was her idea. <laughs> yeah, we need to get another one. However, Robert's sister maintains that he is not responsible for the murders of Bruce and Margaret, saying he did the Bibble Girl. I don't like how she said that. He did the Bibble well, Girl. he's trash. She's trash, too. <laughs> and the two going down to Florida. The rest in the letter he said that he didn't do. He did not kill those in the house trailer, so they'd better keep looking for the murderers. So where's the, where's the letter? I want to see the letter first. Yeah, and secondly, it is a different M.O. I mean, he would have to left a baby. and I, I don't know. And... and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, maybe this, maybe he was going to strangle that girl and then the husband came home. I just don't know. And you left the baby. Because they didn't want to kill the baby, I guess. <laughs> you would have killed the baby anyway if nobody had been looking. Yeah. It is believed that the comment about the two going down to Florida is in reference to the murder of Mary Devlin Smuck, a 20 year old from Libertyville, Illinois. Her body was found in Perry, Georgia as well as the attempted slaying of her friend Crystal Schmitz from Chicago, Illinois, who was raped, shot, and left for dead before being found alive in Orlando, Florida. In those cases, the FBI had issued a nationwide warrant for Robert Leslie for murder and kidnapping. His wife was not sought for these crimes, which is ridiculous. And that's why he ate a gun. Yeah. Yeah, because he was like, oh, crap, yes, they're going to find me dead. Yeah, they were going to get him. <laughs> Both women were picked up on Indiana Interstate 65 while hitchhiking to Miami, which fits with Robert's M.O. of picking up hitchhikers during his long-haul trucking drives, sexually assaulting them, and murdering them. It should be added here that Robert Leslie's wife, Patricia, was ultimately arrested in Dallas after being on the run and charged for the sexual assault and murder of Trina Biddle. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this was in August 1979, three months after her husband's suicide. Source material was scarce regarding... Patricia Leslie's conviction, though. Robert Leslie was not the only suspect considered in the Moser murders. Early on in the investigation, police had two other men in their sights, John Kennedy and Richard Mills. In 1974, when he was still in high school, Bruce Moser was returning home from a date with his wife-to-be, Margaret Adamson, when he stumbled upon the body of a man in a roadside ditch. What's more, he spotted three men fleeing the scene. These men hopped in a car and drove away. The deceased man was named Ronald Ronnie Parks, and he had been shot to death in the abdomen. Because Bruce had been, been the person to find his body, he was called to testify about the case in court. A man named William Pete Walters was ultimately found guilty of Ronald's murder and sentenced to life in prison. His two accomplices, however, were set free. John had agreed to testify against William Walters in exchange for immunity, and Richard was given a lesser sentence for coughing up his role in the crime. These two men were swiftly questioned by authorities about the shooting of Bruce and Margaret, but there were never sufficient proof of their involvement, and it was reported that 
that they provided alibis that were satisfactory. So they seem to get away with that, you know what I mean? More killings. Yeah, it seems. What's interesting about this is if you actually pull it back a little, more questions arise like, why was Ronald Parks murdered in the first place? Yeah, I wonder what that is. (laughs) The idea that Ronald's murder would itself have been retaliatory puts weight on the idea that this type of vengeful violence was not outside of the realm of possibility in connection with the case. In fact, in court documents related to William Walter's trial, it was stated that William had a vendetta against the victim, who was Ronald, because the victim had testified against William in court. That certainly lends credence to the idea that the cycle of eliminating people that testified against William Walter's had been generated, and that is certainly not outside of the realm of possibility that Bruce was another intended target. Was Bruce simply in the wrong place at the wrong time? But they raped his wife. Yeah. And I don't think that's it. I just don't think so. I don't think so. Because they could have killed him getting off work. Yeah. They shot him out in the parking lot. Nope. And they are shooters, so they wouldn't have had to get use his gun. That's just my take on it. No, I agree with you. The idea that Robert Leslie is responsible for the ultimate demise of a young couple just starting their life is what seems to dominate the collective mindset of the community. The fact that Robert was physically present in the trailer at least once before it was very jarring, as it would have given him the opportunity to case the site before returning to commit the crimes. That makes sense. What's more, given the fact that the information was given by Robert himself during the interrogation, one would surmise that this was perhaps information offered to explain why his DNA was found on the scene also makes sense. <laughs> his DNA was found there. That's what it says. Mm. Or maybe he I thought mean, so maybe it would have been. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But not in her it wouldn't have mattered. They yeah. got him anyway, but yeah. If you think about it, Christmas is only barely over a week before the Mosers were murdered. One of America's most famous and successful cold case detectives, Paul Holes, is known for famously saying, the victimology is everything, which is true. In this case, it appears that the perpetrator knew that Margaret would typically be at home alone during the day while Bruce is at work. This knowledge was gleaned in an offhand comment made during the moments that Robert spent in his trailer making these emergency phone calls. It or perhaps it was simply something that he deduced himself. Either way, the person who committed the assault on Margaret would have known, would have had to know that she would be home alone during the time of the attack. The police never specified whether or not sexual assault was the main motive or just a crime of opportunity. It should be noted that one of Robert Leslie's confirmed victims, Trina Biddle, was also found with only her shirt on, like Margaret Moser. Another point to note, the fact that Bruce's own gun was used to murder both he and his wife, to the fact that perhaps the perpetrator intentionally was only to assault Margaret and leave. Or perhaps if Robert was the killer, he had designed to strangle Margaret as he did with Trina, but got interrupted by Bruce. That makes more sense to me. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, me too. Another salient point is the fact that he used a twenty-two caliber rifle to murder the Mosers and to take his own life. Coincidence? I I don't think so, but we'll see. (laughs) One thing that came up in the research for this story was the similarities between the case and the origin story on the television, Vigilante Serial Killer, Dexter, which this is probably going to have some spoiler alerts. 
In this series, the origin story of Dexter Morgan reveals that he, along with his brother, were both left abandoned in a shipping container alongside their mother's dead body. Have you ever seen Dexter? No. Ooh, I like Dexter. So did <laughs> Dexter's brother is later revealed to be named Brian Moser in the series. Perhaps it's a creative homage or simply a coincidence. I haven't seen it in a while. Unfortunately, the murders of Bruce and Margaret Moser remain unsolved to this day. However, as stated in a 2021 interview with Indiana's 21 Alive News, Captain Kevin Smith says, I will say this, I would not still be working on this case if I didn't think that we could solve it. And and you now have DNA. Yeah. So DNA is a whole different animal. If they preserve that stuff properly, they could go back and run that DNA. Yeah, they've solved a lot of old crimes And like they could go back to genetic gene- genealogy. Yeah. I mean, if the guy's dead, if it is that Leslie guy and he's dead, but his then sister. you could still go back down his family tree through genetic genealogy and yeah. catch that motherfucker. I know. Documents confirm that the police Sorry. did pull DNA evidence from the crime scene, and it is still being preserved. We've talked about genetic genealogy before on this podcast, and perhaps this is an avenue that will be explored by investigators in the future with regards to this case. As for Pat Crudson, one of the two deputies who first set foot in the Moser home after the murder, he remains convinced that Robert Leslie is to blame. It's solved now as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they're never going to be able to prove it or yes, be able to walk up and get a certificate that there's that. no doubt he did it. <laughs> I want it proved. Yeah. Because what if he didn't? What if it's a guy that lived two miles down the road yeah. and he still lives or walking around? Yeah. I hate it when they do that. Me too. One thing remains clear. Law enforcement has not forgotten this case. Maybe it's the image of baby Carrie who managed to survive alone for two days while their parents, all her parents lay dead beside her. Or it could just be because the justice for the mother seemed eternal, eternally just within their grasp. One thing for sure is the community has not forgotten the case. In researching this story, I came upon a social media post by a news reporter who was canvassing the community in search for new leads, and this reporter was hoping to paint a picture of what kind of people Bruce and Margaret were. For the people who remembered Bruce and Margaret, there was no doubt that the couple were sweet, church-going folks that were delight to be around. Captain Kevin Smith did confirm in his interview with 21 Alive News that he still keeps in touch with Bruce and Margaret's daughter Carrie, who is 42 years old now. There you go. It's a sad story, and it's terrible, and I just don't understand how they can say, well, we figured out Leslie did it. And maybe you did figure out Leslie did it, but prove it to everybody else in the free fucking world. This half-ass approach to things drives me crazy. That girl's still alive. Yeah. And people deserve justice, even if it can't be a prison sentence. It can be, yes, it was him. You know for sure now. Oh, you know what? No, it wasn't him. I mean, it's just weird that you can, in your mind, get this little bugaboo and say, nope, that's the way it is. Because imagine Carrie, she could literally be out there still thinking, wow, the person that killed my parents could easily find me and kill me. Or or even, is that guy it? (laughs) Yeah, but But if she were to knew for sure that it was that Leslie dude, she could be like, okay, he's dead. He's never going to get to me. This is one of them that bothers me. There was another one, the Mondo murders, and we're going to cover that next month. But they're both just one of those cases that you go, what the fuck? And on a little side note, Cindy has problems sometimes with the Indiana State Police not following all the way through. Um, Pat on the back for the Delphi murders. We'll wait and see how that plays out. But 
These are unsolved. Most of the ones that I'm doing are unsolved Indiana. Yeah. Um, we need to step up our game. And in all of the United States, it's a real bad habit when something's went unsolved for long enough. Even though they have DNA, they say they don't have the resources to test it. That's bullshit. There should be resources available always to test DNA. You should always be able to solve crimes. There's actually a website where you can give, and I can't think of the name of it, and I'll research it and find it, but you can actually give them money, regular people, so that they test DNA, DNA and genetic and genealogy DNA, you know, to see if they can find them. And I'm thinking, it's a fucking police department. Like, I don't care if it's been 50 years. Somebody murdered my mom. I want to know who did it. And I thought the law and justice system worked that way. And apparently, I was wrong. It's just like on a little side rant. When I heard a story on True Crime Garage about a guy, they found his body, his hands had been cut off, and his head had been cut off. But they said he was six foot five. And he's never been identified. Well, right out the gate, you should be able... Anybody missing that's over six foot five, that's a giant. Like, the kids are big. So, why are we not trying to find out who this guy is? Like, it's weird to me that you have to beg. That's bizarre. Well, and there are people who look all day on the Doe Network and name us and try to identify people because they don't do it. The cops don't. Yeah. Nobody does it. It's bizarre. We could never afford to do all that because we give our cops a new... Like, like all of them get new cars like every six months. Around new here, fancy cars. Right around here, <laughs> and I get that crime has to be fought, but there needs to be some dedication. I mean, this I case, know. we did this case. I did Linda Weldy. It's never been solved. I did it not that long ago here in Indiana. There needs to be like a good budget plan. Like I do doing Shannon Cheryl. Yeah, because you keep your lights on, but you don't got no heat. It really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? And she's a young girl that's been missing forever, and there's nothing on it. I'm doing the Mondo murders next, the Mosers. This is the Mosers. I just think it's crazy. And it's not just Indiana. I like to bitch about it, but it's not just Indiana. No, for sure. Anyway, that was the Moser murders. We'll post a lot of pictures on social media. We ask you to please, please, please rate us and review us. Also, come and visit us at www.mistressesofmurder.com. Also, Facebook, check Instagram. Please um, take a few minutes. You can even email us at Midwest Murders, Midwest Mistresses of Murders at gmail.com. And until we meet again, catch you on the flip side.